Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Welcome to Five Things, the podcast where we bring on my favorite funny people and we ask them five things. I'm your host, Roche Abdullah. Five Things is presented by Bad Dog Theater. Bad Dog Theater is a Toronto comedy school and improv theater devoted to unscripted performance. They host classes and shows in person and online. Check out baddogtheater.com to get tickets or enroll in class today. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that the land on which we gather is part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. It is also the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, and Huron-Wednet nations. This territory is subject to the Dish With One Spoon Treaty, a covenant between the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe. Five Things is a classic improv game. We use it to get performers out of their heads. It's a nice warm-up. Usually one performer will ask another to state five things from a category. Uh, and we do this with our guests that we always have. Today's guest, whew, let me tell you, I'm super excited. We've got comedian, improviser, writer for BuzzFeed, BlogTO, The Beaver, Tim, to name only a few, founder of The Assembly, an improv school with four international locations, and she's also a researcher. Folks, this is the biggest badass boss bitch I've ever met, and this is coming from a textbook, B-A-B-B. It is Martha Stortz. Welcome, Martha. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for such a lovely intro. I honestly... um. Martha, you've met my best friend, Holly. We constantly talk about you. We're always like, how does she do it, man? She's in school. She does this. And she does this. She runs a company. Like, I don't know how you do it. And I, and I feel like you're my memory of uh, not our first meeting, but like the last time that I we, I did your show. And on the way to it, uh, I passed by an apartment, like on the street. There was a me and my friend have this thing where we, whenever we see the number 69, we Snapchat it to each other. We just like take a photo, write nice right under it and then send it to each other. And I was in the middle of doing this, walking to the theater to do your show. And I hear someone behind my headphones in, but then you were behind me and I was like, oh, and you're like, oh, sorry. And you are like, you're like, I just wanted to say hi. And then you kind of kept on walking by. And I was like, man, I never make a good impression in front of Martha. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny because I had seen you in the subway. And then um, I guess, you had headphones in, but I was like, oh, I'll say hi either way. And I was like, Roche. And then you didn't say anything. So I was just like, oh, that's not Roche. <laughs> like, I felt like such a loser. Um, so when I saw you in the street, I was like, now it is my time to shine. I will Great. say and hello now. <laughs> I felt like a loser just taking a photo on my own of this number 69. <laughs> but I guess it was on the way to do your comedy show. So I was like, this is my warm up. This is how I get started. Yes, Martha, definitely a good warm up. <laughs> are you ready for your warm up? I am. I'm very excited. Okay. Five things. I want to know five things you shouldn't say at a funeral. 
uh, five things you shouldn't say at a funeral. So probably the first one is who are you and where are the sandwiches? Definitely the second one would be uh, everyone in this room owes me a lot of money because of course we all want to say it, but we never do. Um, third one is saying anything about a burial process, embalming. We don't want to say that. The fourth thing is um, asking if anyone there is a psychic, who's going next? A type of throwing the bouquet, but funeral style, don't say that. And finally, of course, the last thing that you should not say at a funeral is... Uh, where's the beef? You know, it's old. <laughs> there have been more relevant slogans ever since. So, you know, say something new. Eat fresh, Subway, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, usually I tell the guests they don't have to go as fast as they can. <laughs> no, no, no. Nailed it. You crushed it. Absolutely killed it. So good. Uh, this is I. This is why I've asked you to come on. You're absolutely one of my favorite comedians, improvisers in Toronto. You nail it every time. You're so good. I remember one time watching you do this like wine mom PTA kind of like school assembly thing uh like I don't drink and drive kind of uh scene oh but yeah while <laughs> while drinking wine as a, and it was so good and it's like in my brain forever oh, that's there, so fine. Right? thank you <laughs> no thank you for coming on I'm so excited I've had I've had so many questions for so long but a lot of them I was too embarrassed to ask because I felt like I should know it but I'm going to ask now. So my first question, thing one, me and Sean were trying to figure out how to pronounce this before you came on. Medicalegal? Medicalegal? Medicalegal. Legal. I knew it. Damn. The medical part got me. Yeah. portmanteau between legal and medical. And there's so many overlapping letters that it almost doesn't work, but people still use it. So it's right there. Legal is right there. And I was just, I was like, (laughs) man, the medi part sounds like uh doctor stuff but i was like she says she works for a law firm so <laughs> but there it is it's right there. it's in the words pronounce spell it out Roche. sound it out <laughs> okay so then my first question is what is that <laughs> what is a medic medical legal researcher and what do you do what do you do exactly and do you like it So I do love it. And so medical legal is the intersection between medicine and law. So um, an easier way of saying it is also health law. But basically, um, so I work for a law firm. And so I perform research. I'm in their research department um, doing research for various cases, clients, things. Um, But my specialty is medical research, specifically in the context of health law. So it just basically means that if someone has had a run-in with the law in a medical way, um, I can I would do research for that specific case. So, for example, like if a doctor gave a vaccine and someone said, oh, I had this awful side effect um, and it went as far as um, possibly getting um, legal representation, then maybe I would help out by working on the, the research part of that case to determine um, you know, to find all the relevant literature, standards of care, things like that. Wow. And I do really enjoy it. How do you have, that sounds like so type A, how do you do like improv, which is so free and let go of everything and like nothing planned. And then like, you got, you got two brains, you got both brain, you got brain <laughs> girl, but like you use both sides. It sounds like. Yeah, it it is very different, but there's also a lot of similarities. Like, cause you know, improv, we're all being creative like what else, what's that next thing? If this is true, what else is true? And that can really help when you're doing research. So, um, you know, a lot of research that we do, specifically legal research can be very um, uh, hard to access, uh, which 
is bad. It should it should be very easy to access, but it isn't. Um, some of these databases are very old. Sometimes the information has been put away in a way that is difficult to find. So it can be really useful to be creative and thinking like, okay, well, if I found this here, where would I find this next thing? Where is that mm -hmm. other place? Like what's the out of the box idea for finding something? So it can be really useful. Do you like school or do you like learning more? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I love mutually exclusive. Yeah. But just like I, it, do you like the being a student -y part of this or do you just like finding new stuff, finding the info? So I think the healthy part of my brain says I love learning. And then the, you know how, like we all have like a little bit of our brain that's like perfectionist or too much. Like that part of my brain likes being in school because it's like, there's a syllabus, there's a document that tells you everything you have to do and all the deadlines. And I love like that kind of easy little checklist. Um, but overall, I think learning definitely better than being in school. <laughs> that's so cool. You like it because that sounds like a hard job. It can definitely be difficult. Like there's a lot of um, like a lot of times, you know, when these uh, legal cases reach the point of litigation, it is because something serious happened, like someone got hurt. So like that part is definitely not great. It can be a bummer, but it is really interesting. Like it's very different day to day, even like month to month is very different. Um, and there is always something new to learn, which is always good. Okay. You probably can't talk about it then. Okay. Well, first, do you find out what happens uh, to the cases or do you kind of just like give the info, your, your stuff and then that's it? Or do you know what happens? And if so, has there been a, a case where you're like, we should have won and you didn't. And you're like, nah, I found some good stuff. This was airtight. So I only, I honestly don't actually track what happens to them. Like occasionally I'll hear like someone will come by and be like, oh, we won this thing or like, oh, this thing went well. But really, I don't kind of keep track of them. And my part is honestly so small that even if, you know, the outcome that I didn't think would happen did happen, I I would just be like, OK, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was right. Right. Have you ever but, been curious enough to know? Has there ever been one that was like, that's a wild side effect? I want to see where this goes. I don't think so. Um, so far, it's been pretty much like I've I felt like um, it was pretty straightforward enough that I was like, oh, this makes sense. Or like, oh, this is very unusual. I, I am, I would be surprised to see this happen. So yeah, for the most part, I, I kind of, I do my research and then I let it go and go on to the next one. <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. I, <laughs> I was talking to my therapist today and I told them, so I have a therapist and I have a, uh, what's it called? Uh, like a psychologist though, like the person who prescribes me medicine. That's like the oh, psychiatrist, job. psychiatrist. Their only job is to prescribe me medicine. And when I taught, I've been taking this, this medication for the last two years. And I, when I started taking, I wasn't really in tune with my mood. It's like for mood. And I wasn't really in tune with it enough to like know if it was working or not. And so I've just been taking it for two years and like, I don't really know where I'm at. And I was like, I want to be more aware of this stuff. I don't think the meds are helping with what it's supposed to be helping. So I was kind of like to my, psychiatrist like I want to go off of it to and safely I want your help to go mm -hmm. off of it so that I can see my baseline and then see if it's, there's any difference and then kind of like reintroduce it if I need to he was kind of like no I disagree and if you do that like we don't have a relationship anymore Aww. so yeah it sucks because I'm like uh forced into this I, I was like yeah okay, so it's either like okay I keep taking this thing that I don't really know what it's doing for me 
or I do what I'm doing and I lie and I go off the medication and I just don't say anything like a liar. Um, cause those are really my only two options. Cause I don't want to be out of the system again. Um, but I was telling my therapist this and she was like, uh, I'm just, this is coming to cause of side effects. Cause I was kind of like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like we're talking about it. What, what's the damage if it does. And uh, I was like, I don't know what, are, what would the side effects be or anything? And she was like, you should call either like telehealth Ontario or connects Ontario. Um, and I did, I, t I texted connects Ontario today and that was like, I was just like, I'm go I took, I've stopped taking my meds. What are the side effects? And they were just like, this sounds like a question for your pharmacist. And that was it. <laughs> can I sue Martha? That's my question. Who can I sue? I would advise you to book a free session with a lawyer and they will help you decide if you want to sue. But that, that is hard. Like that's a hard situation. Like I do find it so hard sometimes to be in tune with my body and just like understand how I'm feeling. Like, so I, I have celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease. It's the one where you can't eat gluten. And I just didn't realize it for so many years. Cause I was like, a body feels this way. I just had no relationship with like understanding how I felt in different ways. So it, it is sometimes really difficult to pin that down. Oh yeah. I stopped eating dairy like way late in life, like only a few years ago. And my world just changed. I was like, this is what it's supposed to feel like. You're not supposed to feel disgusting after every meal. And like, bloated and just it just changed my life because it's like you don't know what you don't know um, yeah but even this uh when I was kind of telling the therapist she's like do you notice anything different and I was like no like from not taking the meds and then then later we were doing like grounding exercise and she's like what did you notice and at the time when we were doing the exercise I was like oh I'm sleepy but then I realized I was like man I've been really sleepy this last weekend and I was like oh the same amount of time that I stopped taking my meds <laughs> like, I, can't, <laughs> I don't know why I can't even for me to be like, I want to stop taking them and see if there's any difference. Even when that happens, like, I don't notice. It's so hard to know. Medication's so complicated. It's just, like, impossible to know anything. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. Like, it is hard, especially, like, juggling medications, different medications, different people prescribing it. Like, it is. Mental health is a tough battle. Even even <laughs> physical health is a tough battle. Yeah. <laughs> just health it's hard to be health every time I, I, my uh therapist asked me something and she's like what words would you use to describe it I'm always like healthy and she's like what does that mean I'm like, I don't know <laughs> I, I I'm asking you but okay enough talk about my problems let's talk about <laughs> your problems okay you founded so we've got like the big when I came to Toronto back to Toronto and I was like I gotta do I want to start improv here because I wasn't doing it here I had people were like, you should do Second City. You should do Bad Dog. And then, so we already had these like established theaters, places that people were recommending and going to, had heard of. Um, tourists were coming. They are coming to shows at Bad Dog, Second City, even um, Social Capital. And then 2017, out of nowhere, you're like, I'll start a company. I'll start a, a training school. How did that happen? Did you so, feel like something was lacking in, in the community or you you just wanted to do it on your own? So we we actually did kind of already have a, a space. So the assembly was really born out of the Second City long form program. So a thousand years ago, <laughs> the Second City had their own long form program. And it was kind of like conservatory where you would audition and you would go through the program and then you would audition for um, a grad team. And so. And sorry, for I, those who oh, don't know what conservatory is, explain. Oh, yes. It's just like a, a series of classes that kind of culminate in a graduation. So I 
truly cannot b- remember how many levels there are, but let, uh, more than three. <laughs> so yeah, more than three different classes. Yeah. Um, and so I was part of that program. I was producing the shows at Second City every, in, in the JCB, in their smaller theater. Um, we had them like twice a week and it was a big community, you know, lots of teams. Um, it was really fun. And then we found out that the program had been cut. So it was a community of like, I would say at least a hundred people. Maybe I'm being generous. Uh, I would imagine around a hundred people. And so uh, we were all doing shows and, and being on teams and there was kind of nowhere to go after it got cut. So we decided to kind of keep that going and uh, start a new company. And so um, myself and two other gentlemen who had uh, helped produce the shows uh, just started this company and it started off um, just really hot and it just kind of kept gaining momentum. So, you know, we started just at first keeping those shows alive because, you know, in the heyday of 27 um, or 2017 improv, two shows a week minimum, you know, that felt normal for one community. So it was like, oh, we got to keep those shows alive. And then from there, we kept teams alive. And then um, people were asking about classes. So we just started classes. And then that led to a festival and that led to other locations. And just it, it just kind of kept snowballing from there. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, you have four. So it's you. I know you have it in Mexico, right? So it's yeah. Toronto, Mexico. What are the other locations? Um, Amsterdam and then South Africa. How do you run a company in a different country? That is a great question. I have no idea because they're actually all run by their individual leader. So the way that we do these international locations is a bit different. And it kind of started when Assembly Mexico City started so that um company is run by sarah delil who's this amazing woman in mexico city and what had happened was she had heard me on an episode of the backline podcast and she just reached out like asking for information and from there we decided to have a completely different location like a second location and the whole idea was that we would give everything to her free of charge so she had she got access to all the curriculum I wrote this company manual that just kind of goes through everything i had could think of that involved running a company so like how to produce a show um how to do marketing for improv like as much as I know how (laughs) and so we would just give them those plans free of charge and then help as much as we can in terms of setting up that launch or setting up those first few things so with Mexico City it was helping out having a big launch when they were doing it helping them get their first classes and then um it just kind of in the same way snowballed from there so Sarah's doing an amazing job running Mexico City and um, doing it basically completely on her own. Her own, like we'll chat every once in a while. Um, sometimes we'll share curriculum, but for the most part, it is really just her own thing. And then basically the same for every other location. Wow, that's so you didn't. It wasn't this big plan in the beginning. You were kind of just like conservatories ending. We want to keep kind of keep doing this, and it started off small. And then every time you saw a need for more, you expanded. Yeah, definitely. Like everything, certainly nothing was planned from the beginning. And if it was, it was very distant in the future and nothing happened at the time I thought it would. Because I remember like starting the company in April and I was thinking, like I remember having the first few shows and I was like, oh, this is good. You know, maybe we can start classes in a year. But literally it was like a few months later, there was a demand for classes. So we just started then. And so it's always been an interesting thing because nothing has nothing has happened in a 
prepared timeline. So it's a, a lot of like jumping in and just like trying to figure things out. Um, but that's also the fun of it. Have there been times where you've kind of like really stopped and taken stock and been like, wow, I never expected it to be here. This is like, do you remember big moments where you're kind of like taking a breath and just being like, this, like, this is how far we've come? Honestly, all the time. So like every single show, um, and this is more pre-COVID, like um, now the assembly is being run by a whole team of new, wonderful leaders. But but pre-COVID, like every time there was a show at Comedy Bar, I would always stand in the back and like make sure to take a moment and just like look around and be like, these people are here because of the work that all of us have put in. Like, obviously not just me, like the other producers, faculty, everyone, but just like taking account of like remembering all the hard moments and then seeing like a big show or like looking at Harold Fest or like being at an after party and seeing community being brought together. Those are the moments where I've, I've always kind of uh, took a moment and felt just so grateful for everything. I love that. That it really, it, I, I love that you're grateful for it. Um, Cause every time I see you do it, I'm so grateful for you. I'm truly like, I'm so glad she decided to do whatever it was that she did so we could have this. Like I had my best show I would say, or that I can remember a long time. Like I just had the most fun with that Rob Baker scene. Oh yeah. That was, I was, I was just like, thanks Martha for starting that company <laughs> five years ago so that I could be on the stage right now playing with Rob and having the blast. That was so fun. Oh, such a fun show. Okay. Question three. Still, okay. Wait, actually, before, well, so, where, where did the name of the assembly come from? I'm always curious where people get there. Like, it's like bad dog, improv conspiracy. Like, these are going to be the things for life. So where did assembly come from? That is a good question. I don't remember who specifically came up with it, but we just had a big list of names and we kind of went through them and just like read them out and whichever one sounded right. And the assembly felt good. It felt kind of like generic enough that it wasn't like too pointed on something, but like, kind of cool and then but then literally less than a year later these like that name popped up everywhere like there there's another there became another theater called that there was a, a pizza place called that there was like a food hall called the assembly so oh, yeah. um yeah it was definitely lots of group mind going on at the time but yeah it's a good name yeah I was looking I was typing in beforehand um and then I saw the assembly theater that's on Queen East and I was like oh they got a new space but it was a different assembly yes yeah not Uh, the improv yeah and I recommend anyone um to take classes at uh assembly as well because you have that great what's great about the assembly is your teams uh the guaranteed teams after you do classes yeah so after you take the classes you can audition for teams and teams are super fun perform a lot you get to be coached by a really great coach um it's as cheap as we can make it (laughs) so the company never takes any money it's all just like for the coach or and then if it's in in real life as opposed to online you would also pay the the fee to for the venue but yeah it's it's a really fun opportunity like I remember so many long-form teams I was on coming up uh I always just had such a blast and got to know different people and also get coached by different people which was just so much fun it's such a it's a great way to meet people play with people and get coached by people Mm -hmm. what were the biggest challenges enough starting an improv training company oh um early days (laughs) there were a lot of them um gosh the biggest ones a lot of it was just trouble getting taken seriously so you know when you start something new people 
don't people don't know what will happen like this company could be around for six months this company could be around for you know 10 years so I think that part was just showing that I was serious was a challenge like I remember having just like having trouble getting space booked at venues like just to get shows like I remember that being such a challenge um really I oh yeah my just, yeah, like just booking space at, at like um, a venue to perform. Like I remember Jeff Cork, um, who was one of the founders as well, al- along with Spencer um, Thompson. So Jeff Cork and I just like spending days like emailing people, just being like, um, just following up on this. Could we have a space for this day like to perform? And this, so that, you know, that was a big challenge. Really? Even just Yeah. <laughs> they didn't think you'd like sell tickets or? I just think, I mean, there's so many people even now, but especially at that time, so many people clamoring for space, um, you know, getting their name out there. Like everybody wanted the nine, like the nine o'clock Friday show at Comedy Bar. So it was just, um, just keeping in there, like all following up. Can I do this again? And then getting a show and just like making sure to sell out so that the owner knows that you're good for it. And then eventually building that up, building up that relationship, but just kind of those beginning steps were hard. And it's not just venues. I mean, basically everywhere um just getting people to take you seriously those first few months even those first few years was definitely a challenge two years so then was it did you was it then you having to sell out like what was it that got you to a place where people would take you seriously um I mean to be honest I don't think I ever reached a point where every person took me seriously um definitely those things like selling out helps in that specific respect but there are other people that just like it never worked like I remember our very first landlord was just um and let's not say the address or the name of the venue or the name of the place that we called it but um the landlord was just really difficult to work with like I remember um I went to see the the space multiple times and we had a real estate agent then he was he was like asking me to bring my husband with me and it was just so uncomfortable and honestly by the by the end of the lease I was I was like I cannot deal with this person anymore like he is it was just so <laughs> challenging um so just like little things like that some people you will never win over other people obviously you can work at it and then other things will just happen kind of all the time that would have been fun for someone to play your husband in that role uh, it was just it was it's it's challenging also because it's not like there's any recourse to that like you know in in improv if if someone you know like if I was at a venue or something and they refused to give me space to perform because I wasn't good enough or something like that you know someone was mean in a specific way at least other people in the improv community would kind of know about it and and um, be aware but in this situation it's just like okay well uh, I can't do anything so I guess I'll just continue to pay you a lot of rent until right. our lease is up <laughs> which is wild because it like that there's probably so many rules or laws codes that it broke like that bathroom alone absolutely like I was terrified like thank god we had insurance like every single day I'd be like double checking the insurance policy to make sure it was up to date because it was like this place is challenging to work with (laughs) (laughs) did you find that you being having been in the community for so long and improvising for so long that you've built a sort of reputation for yourself that people did trust you that because like it is it is quite a new a newer um theater company and so or um training company but you and i remember when uh because i joined 2019 
Um, then you had all the names already. And so I was like, this is the relationship that Martha has built with people. And that this is because people trust her and they played with her. Did you find that that was the case or that just more think- people just wanted to get more involved with different companies? Um, I think it's kind of both. I mean, I don't, I don't think I necessarily had a name, like when I first started um, produce, producing shows or even with the assembly, like, I don't think anyone would be like, oh, I know Martha, or maybe just because I'm the only Martha I assume in improv. But I don't think, um, like, I, I wasn't doing anything major aside from just producing kind of student shows at uh, Second City. Um, so, but everyone that I've been, I've worked with, like everyone who's been hired as faculty or performed has been just so kind which is so something that's just so nice about the improv community like a lot of people are really just rooting for you to win um and so people are incredibly generous with their time um they're also kind in terms of like telling other people if they like what you're doing and then of course I think there is also um an aspect of you know doing improv and seeing something new and wanting to do that too which is also an amazing thing um so yeah overall it's been uh, like everything from, from the improv everything non-involving landlords has been really wonderful and very supportive and very kind now we're going to take a little break and return with your guest martha stort with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back with Martha Stortz. Any new goals? Any things you want to set your sites for in the future with, with the assembly at this time no just because i have basically um almost completely stepped away from it at this point so um there's a new team so part of the assembly um uh is uh that we're built kind of on a culture of mentorship so that that can be expressed in the ways that we see like the international location so providing a lot of mentorship to other people so they can do their own things but also just kind of in the life cycle of the company so i knew um, when I was kind of feeling like it was maybe my time to hand over the reins to someone else, I knew it wanted to be, I wanted it to be like a mentorship thing. So there is a completely new ch- team of leaders. Um, you know, they're getting mentored by some of the old guard, but for the most part, they are killing it and just doing amazing things. So, um, I have just been so impressed by every single person. Um, you know, it's Danny Avila, Josh Chow, Kirk, um, McCullough, Taylor Gray, um sam weiss uh edward Choi, like all of those people are just Ran. so wonderful and just oh yeah just doing like so amazing such amazing things um so i'm sure they have some big goals and i am applauding from the sidelines and also cheering in an appropriate amount i love that what was it that made you feel like it was your time um it was so it was in the pandemic and uh you know, the pandemic was really hard, uh, I think for everyone. And also in my brain, I was just kind of, I was at a point where I felt like I had done a lot of the things that I had wanted to do. And I started thinking about like, what's next for me? Like, how long should I be doing this? 
Um, I was so grateful for everything that I'd done, but I also didn't want to get into a point where I was doing, like I was getting too burnt out or I was like feeling mm -hmm. resentful about the work I was doing. And I had also, uh, towards the, uh, right before the pandemic, I had been uh, co-producing a show with some really great um, kind of newer, but not new people like uh, Josh, Rayan, um, and Manu. And they had, they were just like so amazing at what they were doing. And they had all these fresh ideas and they were just very cool. And I was like, these are the people that should be doing this. Like they, they are in touch with like what needs to come next. And so it just kind of became clear that um, it was time for the, the company to be given to the next generation. And then obviously whatever they are ready, they will give it to the next generation and so on and so forth. Well, okay. So what's next for you? So um, I am going back to school. Um, I'm going to do a master's of business administration. So I'm doing an MBA in Damn. September. Yeah. Telling you all, boss ass bitch lady babe <laughs> does it all. That's wild. A master's. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. So have you wanted to do this master's program for a while? Or is this kind of like when you were doing that reflective thinking in that 2020, this is where it came from? it's always kind of been in the back of my mind. Um, so my partner like wrote the GMAT. So like that's the entrance uh, exam for business school and then attended um, not an MBA, but something similar. And so I've always kind of just been interested kind of in the background and also everyone, maybe, maybe two to three people in my life have said, Hey, you should do an MBA. And so for someone who doesn't get a lot of compliments, I take it to heart. So I have always, I kind of had it in the back of my mind and then COVID was, a good time for me to study for the entrance exam. So that was kind of my COVID project. So it and kind of worked out time-wise. Uh, when you get it, what do you, what kind of business do you want to, do you want to open one? Do you want to help other people open one? Is Will you still stay in that kind of improv world of, with, in terms of businesses? I think overall, and, um, and this is just me now, it could kind of change at any time. <laughs> right now I'd like to do some kind of social impact consulting. So mm. um, basically the very basic description is just telling people how to run their businesses and then social impact is uh kind of refers to in a way that is um uh, responsible socially uh in terms of esg kind of energy social governance um type of way or in whatever way but some kind of telling people what to do is definitely top of my list oh i like that also i'm wild that you say you don't get compliments a lot um i've given you like a million already <laughs> Oh, I know. I am. This has been the best, you know, 33 minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> my love language is words of affirmation. So, um, yeah, well, one of my dreams is to like, uh, eventually move to a smaller town, like somewhere naturey, um, and then open up an improv school for, for youths. Cause I love teaching children. I never want, I, I don't want to ever give that up forever. Um, and because teaching improv is my favorite thing ever, I would love to do that. So I will contact you. But only when you get your MBA. <laughs> I will pick up that call. not enough without it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, my last question for you, Martha. So sad. So sad to see you go. To, we just talk as long as you can because I don't want this to end. But uh, your bio says you don't believe you can pass a driving test. Why? Oh. You know, I don't know what it is about me. Like, I almost suspect that if I got a brain scan there'd be like the part of your brain that does the driving it's just like missing for me or something so like I've just never been good at it like it is just not ranked highly so I was so I'm a June baby so all my friends who were born ahead of me got their driver's license first 
So as a um, precocious teenager growing up in Guelph, Ontario, it was quite easy to get around because all my friends had their licenses. So by the time June rolls around, I'm not as, um, you know, excited to get mine. So I waited a bit to get my G1, wrote that test, definitely failed the first time, which is embarrassing. It is very easy. I should not have failed. Anyways, I got it. And then it just really lapsed for me. So after high school, I went to university right away. And then from there, I did a, like my first master's degree. And then that all that whole time was like seven years. And then after that, I moved to Toronto. So there was really no good time for me to have a driver's license. So a few few years ago, I decided I was just going to do it. And um, it was just really bad. Like I, I, so I got my G2 through some stroke of luck. I don't know like who was smiling down on me that day, but I somehow got it. And I just had it for five years, didn't do anything. And then when I went back to renew it, I had to do another road test and I just failed. Like it was bad. I failed right away. Um, Nobody was happy that day. So so I just, I don't know. I just cannot get it. There's something about my brain that driving just doesn't jive with it. And so I do hope someday in the future to have a driver's license. I think that might be like the overall goal of my life. I'm not sure if it will be soon. You will. You know what, though? It doesn't sound like you're bad at driving or you're missing that part in your brain. You just friggin' like it's just time. Like you said, you just didn't get it in high school and then you didn't get in university and you did. Okay, you already have a master's under your belt. Let's talk about that. But yeah, seven years without driving and like you just didn't drive. You didn't get that practice. And anyone I know who's grown up in Toronto, like I've got a lot of um, like Toronto boys, all my guy friends, none of them have licenses. I don't know what it is. They just like they grew up here and they didn't need it because of the TTC and stuff. And then they just didn't. But it's like if you if you have that license, you could just go anywhere for a weekend. Maybe not now because of gas prices. But um, you yeah, you can't not drive. You just it's just timing or it's just like the way it happened, but you can get it. To be fair, I am, I am actually a very bad driver. Like I have done. Oh, I believe like, that. I did. Okay, good. <laughs> so I've done multiple lessons and they do not go well. That's why you have to do it when you're young. And also when you don't have the fear, my mom, when she came to this country, I don't know how old she was like 24, 25 or something. Um, she, so you can't pretty much, you can't pass the test if you, unless you get the actual kind of training from the school because the way that they when you do your test they ask they make you do things in such a specific way mm-hmm. like the the reverse the parallel parking and all that stuff even though you don't no one really does it that way to pass the test you have to do it their way and my mom didn't go to to classes and she didn't learn to drive in Canada so there was like no rules for her and she failed like over 20 times and she just kept doing it and every time she failed, she'd come home, she'd cry, but she failed over 20 times and she got it eventually without taking the class. So you can do it. That is very inspirational. Okay. Maybe I have a bit more hope. I can do this. It's a someday. numbers game. It should yeah. like, this isn't, I'm not trying to put that out. It's a very dangerous, like, listen, folks, driving a car, like you're like tons of metal and it can kill a person. It's dangerous. Be safe out there, but also get your license, man. Like just do it. <laughs> <laughs> just eat fresh just do yeah. it i'm gonna i'm gonna get it someday i will have this license or self-driving cars i'm also holding a hope for self-driving cars <laughs> what do you think's gonna happen first me getting my license for self-driving cars yes i don't want to be pessimistic but probably self-driving cars like do you just mean one or do they have to be like all over the place um i think if it was just one we wouldn't know about it well that's true i think the first one of anything they don't say it 
Like, you know, when they're like the first this and everyone's like, wow, it's like that. Yeah, that's been out for a while secretly because oh, yeah. they're not going to show, they're not going to tell the world and then see how it goes. Not when it that's comes true. to robots. I've seen iRobot. Are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I have not seen iRobot, so I could not tell you. I have seen Mr. Robot, though. It's a great program. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> I remember they showed us, you know how in school sometimes the teacher doesn't want to do anything and then they'll show a movie that's like very, very slightly related to whatever topic you're Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it, what subject we were learning that our teacher put iRobot on in high school or something. But we were watching iRobot and I remember, because um, it's supposed to be like in the future, and I guess like the Will Smith character is not a Luddite, but like he's kind of showing off this this other character, his vintage collection of sneakers. And he's just sh- showing her um, the Chuck All-Stars. Uh-huh. And, and it's supposed to be like vintage 2004. <laughs> it's like, this is not that. <laughs> this is not that much far into the future. I don't know why this is supposed to be considered vintage, but that's that's the one takeaway I got from it. I remember like, so uh, I went to Catholic school, elementary, high school. And um, so, you know, religion, they basically said it all the first few years. So we definitely watched (laughs) A Walk to Remember every single year in high school religion. I remember this so clearly because it was like good Christian values, I guess. But it kind of isn't. Um, But we all just loved it because, you know, Mandy Moore was in it. Oh, yeah. Wait, why isn't it good Christian values? It is basically um, the she's all that type of thing where it's like, right, this yeah, guy yeah. doesn't want to date her because she's not hot. Oh, wait, she's hot on the inside. Okay. And also the outside now. Um, <laughs> this one had a bit of a twist. I don't want to spoil the ending. But, we know uh, the ending. Oh, everyone knows the ending. She dies. The ending. Okay. So- good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my memory of a walk to remember is? And it sucks because I think of this every time I hear that because it was so scarring for me as a kid. So that came out when I was like in grade eight and everyone was watching it. And I hadn't seen it because my I, I was raised uh, in a strict household and we weren't allowed to watch anything. Um, I don't even know. It's, it's weird because Walk to Remember is the most wholesome like movie ever. Like you said, mm-hmm. values. But and, there's uh, kissing. Yes. Okay. So I actually wasn't, this is embarrassing, but when I was a kid, like if kissing came on, if obviously if like any sex scenes or anything came on, we had to change a channel, but like, even if kissing came on, we would change a channel. And I remember one time I, I had a friend over and we were watching a TV show and, and it was just me and her, like no one else was home. And we were watching a show and there was kissing and I changed a channel and she was like, Roche and kind of like, looked at me and I looked at her dead pan, just like, what? Like, I did not understand. <laughs> and obviously, like, the next day, she told everyone at school. But um, I walked to remember everyone was watching it because Mendy Moore. And I hadn't mm-hmm. seen it. And it came on TV once. And we had two TVs in our house. We had one upstairs and one in the basement. And there was some sort of thing where they were, like, connected. So, like, whatever you're watching on one, it would automatically – you could you, if you turn the one on upstairs, you would be seeing it. And – uh, Walk to Remember came on and I was like, yes, I'm going to see this and I'm going to be able to connect with people at school now because everyone's talking about this. They've seen the movie and I'm going to see it and I'm going to have friends and I'm watching it and it's that scene. So the premise is that she, I'll spoil it. She's dying. <laughs> she's dying, folks. She's she's hot and she's dying and she has a bucket list and one of her bucket list items is she wants a tattoo. Um, so the the love interest gets her a temporary tattoo and he's like putting it on her and she like pulls down her little like shawl like the most wholesome of 
coverings um, to expose her shoulder so he can put this temporary tattoo on. And that's the scene. He's literally, she's just pulling down her shawl to expose her shoulder and he's putting his temporary tattoo on her shoulder. And I'm watching it and all I hear coming from upstairs is like, Rosh, change the channel. <laughs> so terrified, like seven-year-old me or whatever old I was. Just like, <laughs> like running upstairs being like, I wasn't watching porn, I swear. <laughs> Okay, I remember that scene so clearly because it gave so much hope to those of us with brown hair in the 2000s. Like, remember how everyone was, like, hot and blonde, but for that role, Mandy Moore dyed her hair brown, and it was, like, this mousy brown, but then yeah. she was also hot, so it was it was very affirming in certain ways. It, it really was, like, uh, she's so wholesome that she's not hot. Like, her, she, her hair's always in a ponytail, and, and yeah, even because Princess Diaries, her hair was blonde because she was yeah. popular. And yeah, and she and she ne- didn't wear makeup. And I I remember this scene very clearly where uh, the like she's getting bullied and she like, runs out of the cafeteria crying because everyone's posted those photos of like basically like yeah. a, like a, a kind of like a half naked girl, but they photoshopped her face on top of it. And she was like really upset. And I was just like so confused because it's like everyone knows this is fake. So like it's not like that's if you're worried that people are seeing your naked body everyone knows that's not the case like we all know that's not your body if that's what you're concerned about second of all that body's hot that's a good booty so like i don't know i I, I don't see yeah i i see zero problems if you're worried that they think it's your body it's not we all know that if you're worried that they do think it's your body it looks good yeah (laughs) i i really don't i i was so confused about that scene because i was like i would be very happy if that happened to me it was also so interesting that they chose to bully the pastor's daughter who had fatal, like fatal, a fatal <laughs> illness. Like, why would you like the worst person in the world probably wouldn't do that? Maybe I don't know. But yikes, that is bad behavior. Like that should be the focus of the movie. Was it? Yeah. Is it? Was it a secret that she was sick? Oh, maybe. Even still, like, why would you bully a nice person? Imagine that. Imagine these, like those bullies. And then, like, literally next year, this girl dies, and you're just, you're that bully. You're just like, oh, we really made her last year of life hell, didn't we, guys? Didn't we? <laughs> you're just at the funeral being like, ah, oh, where's the beef? Not with us anymore. <laughs> we've squashed it. We apologize. We repent. We've we've seen the light, and we've found God. Yikes, it really yeah. was a, I think it was a Christian uh, pushing, morals pushing kind of movie. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think Nicholas Sparks seems like oh, there's right, a, yeah. yeah. Sparks. I was gonna read the IMDb trivia. I bet there's some good stuff back there. I did remember watching the DVD, like the DVD extras, and or there was some kind of commentary on it. And one of them was like Shane West was drunk in um, one of the scenes, and I remember thinking that was so scandalous, but also being like, because you know I was an idiot. I was like, but how could he do his job if he was drunk? <laughs> Certainly he'd be an idiot. You know, how can you remember lines? Was it a scene where he's supposed to be drunk? I actually don't think so. They're like in a car or something. So in it, in the it was like in this scene, Shane West was drunk. You should have been yelling that out when the at your Catholic school, and they're like, "We're gonna show this really wholesome, <laughs> good moral value pushing movie." And you're like, "Fun fact: He was drunk in this scene. Also, not really a Christian." Shut it down. <laughs> Put on Simon Birch again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on to my Nicholas Sparks podcast. Uh, We'll see you next time for The Vow. Uh, Martha, anything you want to plug? Any shows you would like people to come see? 
Um, nope, I'm all good, but if everyone could watch A Walk to Remember and let me know which scene you think Shane West is drunk in, that would be great. <laughs> Thanks to Martha Stortz, The Sonar Network, and Bad Dog Comedy Theater. Your support makes a difference, and you can donate today by going to baddogtheater.com. Five Things is produced by Victoria Kucher, and we couldn't do it without our amazing tech, Sean Murray. And of course, I'm your host, Rosh Abdullah. Have I been saying your name right, Martha? No, yeah, that is right. Okay. Um, man, I had so many things and then I lost it. And then now I feel weird about losing it because I want to rem- remember again. So edit out when I'm, I had all the brain farts. And yes, love is a leap of faith. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Tell us something we don't know. Oh, you haven't? It's- Sean, it is crazy. And I never even saw the full thing. I only remember those scenes. <laughs> it really Those's was hard. Like, uh, for a young girl growing up, it was very, uh, like, it was pretty pivotal, I feel like. So many people remember that movie. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.